all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all so if you're ready to break the generational cycle of poverty, revolving prison doors, and a lack of education that's holding us all back, then now's the time to do something about it. So to move from gutter to greatness, it all begins with a change in mindset. Here's your host, Dr. Paul Miller. All right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? We are here for episode eight of From the Gutter to Greatness. And this episode is called I Need Love. So when I think of I Need Love, I think of one song. I think of one song only. You know, let me kick it. Now, you know, I don't own the rights to this, but I'm going to play it anyways. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall And in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call Telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove For the first time in my life, I see I need love There I was, giggling about the games that I had played with many hearts And I'm not saying no names Then the thought occurred, tear drops me, my eyes burn Cause I said to myself, look what you've done to her I can feel it inside, I can't explain how it feels all right, that's my jam, y'all. You know, I remember. Now, let me break it down. And so back in the 80s, 90s, whatever, you know, I listen to more music than I do now. Um, but I still was never a big music head, right? And I still, I can't remember the lyrics to say the life of me of too many songs. But this one song, for whatever reason, I can remember almost every word in this song. So when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove for the first time in my life. I see I need love. There I was giggling about the games that have played with many hearts and I'm not saying no names. Then the thought of character drops me. My eyes burn. I said to myself, look what I have done to her. You know, like I said, I'm not a rapper. Ha ha ha. But I, rem I could go on. I remember the lyrics. I'm not going to go on. But I remember the lyrics. They resonated with me. And I guess they resonated with me because of where I was at in my life. And when I first heard that song, I remember that I found it. I stumbled upon it because I remember it was somewhere like 87. And I begged my mother for the tape. The, the tape. I, what is it? It was uh, the I'm Bad album, I think. I think it was the I'm Bad album. And, you know, you saw the video from Bad, you know, he's carrying around the radio, LL was the man. And then when I discovered, and then it resonated, even at uh, nine years old, I knew I needed love and I wanted love. And I almost wanted this relationship or this, this mystery woman to make things go away or make things feel better. And I thought that love would make it go feel better. You know, and those are things that, you know, gangsters don't talk about. Yeah, even at nine years old. So, man, you know, I started puberty early and, and those feelings were in me. You know, those feelings came along and, you know, I was into that. And, you know, that was just something that I wanted. And that song resonated for me. And so I say that because there's a lot of songs that resonate out there that we're putting these messages into our, our kids. And, and what are they hearing? What are they feeling? How is it helping them or raising them almost? And it was raising me. And that's what I was feeling and feeling like I needed, you know, and wanting love. So, but I wanted it. And I thought that I wanted that 
from a relationship or from women because I felt like, you know, now looking back, it was because I felt like I didn't get that and I didn't get what I, I needed and often what I wanted. And so like, I didn't feel necessarily always feel loved. I didn't feel like I was a priority. I didn't, I felt kind of empty. I cried inside. Sometimes I cried outwardly even as a kid because I felt alone or abandoned or like I just didn't matter. And, and so, you know, and the examples I had of what relationships were good, I didn't have too many. Now I did on a positive note, I did. My grandparents, they really made me feel seen. They made me feel heard. They made me feel loved. I did see their example of a relationship, which was always healthy when it was as far as I could see. And so that was a great thing. And being able to see that relationship was so important for me. Um, but I wanted I wanted love. I thought that that would help me. And so I started looking for love in the wrong places, you know. And, and when I was around 15, I think I got into a real serious relationship. And at 15, I wasn't ready for a serious relationship. Who the hell is ready for a serious relationship at 15? Now you think you are, you, you think you know what you're doing and you're having all kinds of experiences uh, and you're, you're from feelings to intimacy to even, you know, that wasn't my first sexual experience. I was a little younger and, you know, that's a whole nother long story. Um, just too, too soon, too much, too soon, you know, and, and I wasn't necessarily being supervised the right way. But at 15, you know, you're getting into this relationship and I got into this, this heavy relationship, damn near like a marriage. And guess what? I ended up getting married to this person. We stayed together. Now, I will always love this person. I'm always even grateful for the lessons that I learned. Now, I'm not in love, and I would never, ever want to be with this person again, not even a little bit, because it was we grew apart. And I actually, because I was searching for love, and I was searching for love a lot, I think, from my mother, and where I didn't necessarily get it, I ended up finding it in this relationship, but I ended up marrying somebody that was just like my doggone mother. And so there everything that was good and bad. And there was things that I felt that were so similar later on that I saw where, and it, a lot of what was similar is how I was made to feel. And so as Black men, we don't really always talk about how we're made to feel. And I, I remember, you know, we had a decent relationship at points in times, but I often remember like uh, she was the type of person that I never felt like she appreciated. Like I never felt like I was good enough or like I, I mattered enough or nothing I ever did was enough. And like she just was very moody, very sometimes often had a bad attitude. And, you know, as a youth, I would placate to that. And and I would placate and I would try to make sure she was happy. And I wasn't necessarily always worried about my happiness. What was interesting, I also seen my grandfather do some of that, where he took care of my grandmother's needs, regardless of how he felt or what was going on. And that was my only example of a healthy relationship. So I did that. And then on top of it, I saw all these bad things and all these bad things in relationships. And I saw the cheating. I saw the lying. I saw I saw the multiple women. I saw the abuse, which I've never been an abuser, never put my hand on a woman, never will. But I saw all these things, right? And so I saw the mixture and I'm trying to figure it out mixed with who I am and the trauma that I've been through. And then I put this heavy tag on it of a relationship and this relationship that at times, you know, smoldered my ability to grow because I was so wrapped up in what somebody else was doing. And so it made things difficult, but we grew apart often and we grew apart for different reasons. And I think we developed lacks of trust and 
and, and lacks of, of care and, you know, where, you know, maybe 15 to 17, 18, uh, you know, where there was the, there was just so much in love there, not just love, you know, and in love and everything was even through the good and the bad was in love. And then, you know, we had some things change the dichotomy of our relationship. And so, you know, I don't even like talking about it, but, you know, there's some things that changed it for me that made things different. And I was going off and I'm telling these, some of these stories and saying these things because I know that there's people out there that go through these things and relationships change and, and how do you, how do you become effective in a relationship? And as a black man and as a young black man, what relationships are important and how do you get what you need out of these relationships? And sometimes, you know, listening to somebody else's story could help you decide to move or change or do things differently. And, and so, you know, I'm sharing some information that I know was uh, difficult and, you know, might even turn some folks off you know, and some of these personal stories. But so we were, like I was saying, 15 to maybe 18. And I was getting ready to go away to college. Now, y'all, I was scared. I was scared that when I went away to college, I was going to lose the love of my life. And because she was staying in the city where she was at, and I was going to move off and go to college, I was supposed to be playing football. And, and I had all these things going on. And, you know, and there was some this where we were separating mentally, even at that time, because I was going to college, she hadn't finished school and there was things I didn't like and all these red flags, but I, I loved her and I was in love with her. So I, I stayed to try to figure it out. And, you know, we had good chemistry and it just, there was a lot there. And she's always been, there was at times where she was a caring, considerate person. Um, I think, you know, that went away over the years, some, but uh, definitely some difficult times. And I'm part of the reason why those went away because of things that I've done to be hurtful. And so I know for me early on, I was getting ready to go away. And then when I went away, uh, I was getting ready to go away sometime before that, it's my senior year, she ended up pregnant and she ended up pregnant and now, mind you, we're 18 year old. We're into deep. We just need to be thinking about college. We need to think about careers. We need to be thinking about the world. We need to think about having fun. We need to think about living life, building up for the future. And I'm thinking heavy and I'm thinking relationship. I'm thinking now we have a baby on the way. There's no way I could have this baby. There's no way that I could have this baby and that it be okay. And so. I was really adamant that I said, I didn't want to have the baby. Let's have an abortion. And she wanted to have the baby. She didn't want to have an abortion. And, you know, being young, being youthful, being ignorant, I was very adamant. And I and I was very, like, forceful with my opinion that we couldn't do this. It's going to mess up my future. I probably even made her feel bad and made her feel guilty. And I, I'm sure I did. And so, you know, I, again, I know that the way that I made her feel behind that, I'm sure that caused her some grief and caused her hurt that I don't think she ever really healed from. And this thing's carried on because she didn't heal. And so I was trying to do that so I could save, you know, I, my football career, save my ability to go to college, save my idea, some uh, bit of youthfulness because I wasn't ready to have a baby yet. And so she ended up having the abortion, but I think that started to kill our relationship and that started to hurt our relationship deeply and deeply to a point where, you know, the, the way we interacted with each other was different and we didn't matter the same. And so anything that we were experiencing that was difficult, 
that love started, that in love started to fade and we started to treat each other differently. And then, you know, we ended up, I believe, broke up for a good point in time. A whole lot of other stories in between that, right? With relationship and issues and problems. And I was depressed and, you know, it just, it was just a lot because, you know, I, even though I didn't want to have a child at the time, I still didn't feel good about having that abortion. And so there came a point in time where we got back together and we got back together. And when we got back together, you know, we tried to start fresh, tried to start over. And about a year after we got back together, she got pregnant again, y'all. Yeah, I know. I wasn't being careful. I was young, dumb, and full of you know what. So I wasn't being careful. She got pregnant again. And so this time, you know, I'm an emotional wreck behind it and saying, I don't care what it is we got to keep this baby. So we got to keep this baby. I can't go through it again. I can't go through another abortion. I, I do whatever I can to fight for this unborn child. And the first experience left her feeling like she didn't have any control and a lack of control, even though she made the decision on her own, she still felt controlless. And so she felt like she needed to prove to me and do it differently. So she did, right? So she went behind my back, had an abortion and that crushed me. And after that, we still ended up, you know, playing the teenage games and, and breaking up, getting back together. But I never felt the same. And I wasn't man enough to deal with those feelings. And I wasn't man enough to take control over my feelings, to heal from it. And I went back to the situation and went back in it knowing I still had hurt and trauma. And knowing back that I had feelings towards her that weren't good. But I always loved her. I always love her, but I'll never be in love with her again. And but went back to her. We embarked on, you know, a relationship after being apart for, uh, I think, a few years and doing our own thing and, you know, being apart and then getting back together. And then we would break up to make up again. And then finally we broke up like a year or two later again. Now, mind you, I know I got a lot of years in. This person and I were together off and on for 27 years. So we broke up this time. About two years later, we got back together. Then we spent some time together. We ended up having a child this time. Now, this child, y'all, uh, this beautiful child was is one of my children who helped save my life. All my children have. They've been such an influence at different points in times and have done so much for me and, you know, have helped me think about things and think about love differently and how to give love and receive love differently. And so didn't work out again. We ended up getting married. You notice I went from it didn't work out again to we got married. We were apart for about two, three years. And there's a lot in between there, a lot of things I did and a lot of running around I did with trying to prove that I had my youth and that I was, I loved the ladies and sometimes three, four women a day, y'all. Like I was bugging. I was thugging and bugging. I was doing a lot that I didn't need to be doing. So I settled down. We got back together and then we got into this marriage, but I still never healed. I still never got the love that I needed and still didn't know how to give the love that someone else needed. And so that whole relationship piece wasn't ever what it needed to be. But mind you, I started off with saying that I felt like she was often like my mother and when I was growing up. Now, my mother now, y'all, you know, is a very different person. We've worked through it. We've healed. She's healed. Or healing. We're all healing. And we're in a much better place. And she's an elevated person who really has grown so much. So this isn't to knock her, but, you know, had a difficult childhood because of the trauma that she's been through. And so 
with all this trauma and with these things that I've been through within this relationship and all the other side or, or small relationships I've had in between. And then all of the, just this, I often felt unloved, uncared about, unwanted. And I felt like my ex didn't appreciate me and like she didn't want me, she didn't love me. You know, intimacy wasn't there anymore. If we were getting it in once a month, that was a lot, y'all. That was a lot. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm sharing it. I'm keeping it real. I'm giving y'all the real deal on some of these relationship things that, you know, even though I'm moving and elevating to being great, you know, there's a process and a journey to get there. And relationships were a big part of it. And this long-term relationship was a big part of it. And I've made so many mistakes. And then because I felt that way, I would often revert back to what made me feel better, my vice, as I've talked about in other episodes. And that was other women. So I've talked about it and I went to my vice. And whenever I felt unwanted, uncared about, and loved, I would try to go get that vice filled by other women. And then it, we, that immediate gratification, almost like that drug. And then when it's over, you know, I feel good for a minute, but then I don't feel good about myself anymore, like at it. And I didn't feel the love. I always felt empty. So I had to go back and continue to go because it's an ongoing journey. Like they say, once you're addict, you're always addict. Like I, I have to continue to work on myself and and heal and feel love. And I knew that I needed the love to to move forward. And again, in this new part of my life, in this journey, I'm working to heal. I'm working to feel love. I'm working to I'm working to not take the same behaviors into the new relationship. I'm working to do things differently. And, you know, I'm stronger than I've ever been. But I also know that inside of me, I got to continue to heal so that that those demons inside don't pop up. And so I know that by loving myself, I can now love and work towards loving somebody else. And, you know, I just appreciate the love that I'm learning to give and to receive. And I know that to love has the opportunity to change and change your heart and change so many things that you might not have been able to change. And I think also, you know, your emotional intelligence. And so I'm I'm going to move into our mindfulness minute here, and I'm going to drop a couple of gems on you, some takeaways, right? So the takeaways are five keys to emotional intelligence, right? So the first one is self-awareness. Self-awareness the second one is empathy. The third one is motivation. The fourth one is social skills. And the fifth one is self-regulation. So self-awareness, empathy, motivation, social skills, and self-regulation. So self-awareness is becoming attuned with yourself. Like I'm telling you that I, I know some of my triggers and I know the things that are doing wrong and, and working on it to do and to be better and to be stronger. But motivation, always being motivated and motivating yourself internally so you can help motivate others. And what does motivation look like? So you're not being complacent, not being lazy, not allowing myself to be stuck. Empathy. So it's understanding. So even though sometimes I might seem like I got it together, I understand when you don't. And even though I may look like I got it together, I don't always have it together. And I'm revealing and sharing all these things because, you know, relationships have played such a big deal in becoming, trying to become the person that I need and want and trying to give some keys to success for my young black males out there specifically, but all people to hear that, you know, figuring out where, where your hurt, where your trauma is and filling that and filling it with what you need and that empathy to understand others while you're going through it. Social skills got to get better, y'all. 
You know, I was in the classroom the other day talking to some kids and a couple of them said, I don't have good, you know, social skills and interpersonal reactions and and interactions rather. And that's got to get better. Those social skills got to improve and understand how others communicate, not just you. And that self-regulation, being able to self-regulate and know when you're high or low and being able to figure out what you need so you can adjust and help work through and heal the way you need to heal. But I got to give props to somebody. So one of my former students and basketball players, his name is Chris Adele. He wrote a book called Mental Health Now. And and Chris Adele, you know, wise young man, maybe I'll try to get him to come on as a guest for this episode of I Need Love. And so, again, this is going to be a a vodcast that's going to be coming on soon to you um, as well. We'll talk about that a little later. But Chris quoted a sociologist named Bren Brown. And he said, I now see how owning our story and loving ourselves through the process is the bravest thing we can ever do. And so what that means is, is what, right? What that means is, is that I should have owned my truths, my identity, the good, the bad experiences that I went through earlier, instead of shoving them in a box. If I would have allowed myself to feel and accepted the experience, stopped feeling like I had to be so closed off, I could have found that self-love I needed a long time ago. It may have prevented me from creating unnecessary soul ties. It may have prevented me from hurting myself, from progressing emotionally and from hurting people that I honestly cared about. So Chris went on and shared that self-hatred is connected to deep-rooted trauma that you either become the person you feel inflicted the trauma or you destroy the person who resembles any of those characteristics of the person who inflicted that trauma. For me, that immediately resonated. And in so many ways, I've tried to be the opposite of the person that inflicted the trauma. But then there's others that I didn't work on it enough and I was that exact same person. And so figure out who you are, identify and work on that healing. This has been episode eight of the gutter, from the gutter to greatness, signing out. Episode eight, I need love. Y'all have a good one until next time. That's it for today's episode. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing for a $25,000 private epic VIP day with Dr. Miller himself. Be sure to head on over to guttertogreatness.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Miller's gift. And join us on the next episode. <laughs>